Happy Labor Day. Thanks for being here tonight. Um, thanks, Jonathan, for um, leading worship. Um, Jonathan's the worship leader at Southside Christian Church here in town. We hope that you will um, join a local church, that you will worship on Sunday morning somewhere. And we've got a card with a list of some churches in the back if you don't have a home church yet. Um, and certainly if you want to learn more about Southside, you can connect with Jonathan about that. But why don't we get to know each other a little bit. My name is David, and I'm director of CSF. I am from, I grew up in Charleston, Illinois. Anyone else from Charleston? Alex almost raised his hand. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, anyone from central Illinois then? How many we got? Raise those hands high. Okay, how about just anywhere else in Illinois? Okay, different state. Nice. Different country. Nice. All right. Cool. Okay. So I have three siblings. There should be a picture coming up. The purple picture. I'm the one um, standing over the stroller. Um, so I have three siblings. How many of you have three siblings? How about three or more siblings? Nice. Okay. Two. Who's got two? Uh, two or one. Let's do two or one because I want to see who are the only children here tonight. <laughs> They're all, oh, nice. Okay, so there are four. Okay, finally, one of the most important things about me, if you know me, you know this, just by way of introductions, uh, my favorite food. Uh, my favorite food um, is nachos. And not just any nachos. We should probably have this conversation later. Um, I love nachos. Uh, and I can't really, since I can't really hear what yours are, uh, your favorite foods are, why don't you share with the person next to you what your favorite food is and then hear what theirs is as well. All right, let's be honest. We love talking about food, right? I think everyone loves talking about food. I mean, we could probably just sit here and keep talking about this for another five minutes, right? I heard, um, I heard a, a chips and queso over here somewhere, so we have to, we have to be friends for sure. Um, I'm not sure what else I heard, but I heard that somewhere over there. So, Okay, so these are just some basic parts of my story and yours, who I am, um, you know, signified in things like hometown, siblings, favorite food, but um, there's some deeper parts of my story that would probably just help you know me and really um, IU as well. Um, for example, more than just siblings, um, key relationships, uh, people closest to me are really a huge part of my life. And Gretchen talked about this last week. Um, hopefully you spent some time thinking about this um, but if not, um, maybe just jot down a few of those people on the back of your announcement sheet. Who are some of the key relationships for you? Um, as you're doing that, I can share mine. For me, it'd be my wife, Lindsay, who's also on staff. You can raise your hand, Lindsay, so that, yeah, okay. Um, and our three children, Ethan, Samuel, and Cora, who are adorable and up there. It would be close friends uh, from college and um, the Magruder family um, with uh, Todd and Gretchen and their kids, um, and certainly people from my church as well, people like Jonathan, people in our small group. These people have impacted my story in huge ways, and I'm sure you'd say the same thing about the key relationships in your life. Um, they're really important in our stories. One last element that would really just kind of help you know me, and I think I you as well, um, are the variety of pressure points that are a part of our 
lives. Um, these can come in a variety of ways, whether from crisis or um, personal failure or really just life circumstances, because um, life's hard and my story um, isn't perfect. And uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to like go into detail here and like share all my junk with you right now. Um, those are, you know, stuff like that. A lot of that is reserved for like a few key close relationships to share a lot of those things. But there are a few like key points of my journey that, um, that I will just briefly share by way of introductions, um, just because they've impacted me in really profound ways. Um, so one of those is my struggle with um, insecurity and self-worth. Um, growing up, this led me to have lots of fear and anxiety. Maybe you can relate to that here. Um, this has shaped my story in real ways. For example, I've always dreaded things like public speaking. <laughs> so um, hope, hopefully, um, hopefully I've grown in that at least a little bit. Um, but, um, but really, um, I've struggled with this. Um, I, I, I worry, I get anxious because of that um, insecurity. Uh, maybe you struggle with this as well, or maybe it's a different um, pressure point for you. Maybe it's a, a different struggle. Uh, another one, I don't like to talk about this a lot, but crisis really shaped a lot of um, my college experience. Um, was really a, a big pressure point for me. When I was 22 and a senior, my big sister Maggie got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a form of cancer. Um, and so um, that year was terrible and really the, the fallout of grief that occurred from just a year of watching her suffer to then seeing her pass away um, has really impacted my life, uh, my faith, my family, even up till now, like 12 years later. It's been a while here. Um, and maybe you've experienced grief or loss, or maybe um, it's been something else um, traumatic. Like these things, um, these things really impact us. They're important parts of our stories. Um, so, so there's some of my junk. Um, <laughs> Uh, but we all have it, right? We all have stories. We all have aspects of this. And um, you don't have to jot them down, but maybe think about, like, what are the pressure points in your story? You probably don't, it probably won't take you very long, really, to think about those. They're probably popping up right away. I hope that when you are in the CSF community, I hope that you feel um, that our stories matter, um, that your story here matters um, a great deal. We value that highly. But it doesn't have to define you. Your story up to this point doesn't have to define you. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure you've heard someone say uh, he or she is small town. I think a lot of people have heard that, yes. Um, so like some of Lindsay or I's extended family might call themselves small town. Maybe you'd call yourself that. You know, their location and population, like really these kind of benign things are... Um, what they use to really define them, um, really important things about them, like their views of family and community, even like food choices are just based on something over which they had very little control, like where they were raised. Um, it defines them in a really important way. But we all do this. Um, sometimes we can use things like key relationships or affiliations for this, uh, maybe family, or maybe we use a club or a fraternity and sorority, or maybe it's a political party or a sports team. Um, and, and then we say, like, in that, we say, like, this is who I am. Like, my values, my beliefs are all wrapped up. My schedule is all wrapped up in and defined by um, what this, these key relationships, these affiliations say about who I am. We use it to define us um, and who they say we should be. We can also use pressure points 
in our lives um, to define us. And, and some of this, like some of this is unavoidable, of course. Like we are all going to be shaped by our stories, especially the difficult parts. And so it's going to happen. Um, but really, like surely the fact that I don't think I'm good enough should keep me from ever taking courageous steps. But it does. <laughs> and when that happens, that's showing that I'm letting this um, this pressure point define my life. Or um, it was not my fault that my sister got sick or passed away. So like, why am I still, whenever there's a situation regarding health or safety, like why am I obsessively trying to control my environment to stay away from things that are going to take me down a path of maybe feeling ill or um, feeling uncomfortable? Like again, what's happening is that I'm letting this pressure point control me, define really my life in real um, and unhealthy ways. But again, with all these things, um, it doesn't have to. Like these parts of our stories don't have to define us. Um, we're inevitably shaped by them, but we can choose the stories that will define us as people. Um, and if we choose unwisely, they can lead us down um, sometimes pointless and other times pretty destructive paths in our lives. Uh, if you're here tonight, um, if you're here, it means on some level you either have faith in or you have questions about something to do with Christianity. Uh, and Christians believe themselves to be framed by a different story, by a better story uh, found in scriptures. Uh, as Christians, we believe that it informs our entire lives, our view of ourselves, of the world, um, even of creation and of God, certainly. And I want to talk tonight about that better story here. Um, it's a story that changed my life. It's a story that changed my wife's life. Um, it's changed so many of my friends' lives. Um, countless students over the years on this campus, I've seen it change their lives as well. Um, it's a story that is open to anyone, and um, ultimately I think it's a, a better story um, than the ones that uh, we have used um, to define our lives. Um, throughout Christian history, the name that's been given for the story is called the gospel. Now, that word uh, may have lots of meanings for you. Um, some might associate it with a style of music, or uh, maybe you immediately think of um, a street preacher trying to whack you over the head with a Bible. Um, maybe you're trying to duck him or something. Or, or gospel may not mean anything to you, if, um, maybe if you're not from a church background. It's certainly a churchy word. Uh, but uh, when it was originally used, it was actually a very um, normal word. Um, gospel is actually derived from the Greek word evangelion. Can you say evangelion? Nice. We are a little tired. Let's say it one more time. We're learning Greek right now. How cool is this? Say evangelion. I know you could read that on the screen too, right? Okay, so gospel, it means good news, good tidings, like literally news, like um, a country winning a war, or um, there's an account in ancient literature of um, a politician being elected and he received the news, the good news, from a good news messenger. So it's good news. It could even be things like a birth announcement or um, a marriage announcement. So this is gospel referred to genuinely good things, joyful things. Now, I don't know about you, but if, like, if I opened up, I don't have my phone on me, but if I opened up like my news app right now, I use Flipboard, or if we like, opened up our Twitter feeds right now to like, look for news, I guarantee that is not what we would find. You all know this. Like, I don't need to say this. Um, we would see something entirely different. We would see things like violence. We'd see war. We'd see devastation. We'd see corruption. 
um, political fighting, you name it, like that's what we would see if we opened our news feeds right now. And I think the question is, what if a better news, like what if a better story really did exist? Like one that in the midst of all of that that we see happening um, was really good enough and big enough that we really could hang on to it with our whole lives and define our lives by that instead of these other things that we see. Um, and really, this is what Christians have believed for 2,000 years now, is that's what the gospel is. And the defining feature of this story, uh, the message that Scripture shouts over and over again, and um, whether you've heard it a thousand times or you're hearing it for the first time tonight, I really, I want everyone to hear this. I don't want you to miss this, that the joyful good news is really very simple. Um, and it's that you are loved. You are loved. I am loved. We are loved. And if you accept that, um, it can change everything. We're in the second week of our teaching series called Three Things, where we're looking at three um, messages God wants you to know about living a life of faith in college. And if you didn't hear last week's, you can head on over to the brand new CSF podcast and listen to that. Um, tonight's message, You Are Loved, um, is really uh, a pretty simplified statement to summarize the gospel, which is contained in the scriptures, which, you know, is quite a lot. So you are loved, and then there's all this text. So the, the mechanics of this need worked out just a little bit. And so uh, thankfully, what we see is that scripture highlights this um, time, again, time and again. So tonight, I just want to unpack that big idea with you guys. Um, we'll be flipping around a bit. So um, since really we don't have time to read this whole thing tonight, you're welcome, by the way, for that. Um, we'll just, uh, we'll jump around a little bit. And we even have a handy card in the back at the connection table. Um, if you'd like to um, bring that with you for more references, um, maybe you can even share this with someone else. Um, but it'll be on the screen too tonight. So, um, so again, let's pray before we jump into the scriptures though. Father, we want to say, we want to say thank you for the chance to be able to gather together here. Um, to know you, um, to be known by you, Lord, to encounter you. Uh, we thank you that you love us. And Jesus, would you tonight, um, would you guide us? Would you lead us? Help us as we open your word uh, to um, understand the things that you want to speak to us. Um, help us to grow in you. Help us to know you better. And we trust you to do that work, and we thank you. And I pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so what is the gospel? When we look at the world around us, everything we see is suffering, and uh, we see death, we see violence, we see um, things that are just pointless and hopeless happening all around us. Um, how could there be a better story here? Um, something really so good that we can hang on to in this life. And Scripture says um, that it wasn't always this way. And what we see in our news feeds right now, it wasn't always this way. Um, the gospel begins with creation, the creation of life, and not death. Um, and Hebrews 11.3 summarizes Genesis 1, saying, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So in the beginning was God, who's holy, who's present, who's existing in no need of us. And so really, this is his story. Um, it's not ours. Um, God existed before us, yet he decided to, from nothing, create the world and everything in it, including us. In Genesis 1.27, um, it says, um, God says in the midst of this creation, let us make man in our image. And really, the good news starts here. Even from the beginning, God thought of and knew each one of us. We are loved. 
Even from the very beginning, we can see this um, from God. This love extended to give us purpose where he created boundaries and rules and order really to, um, to help us function best and know him in his creation. Um, in fact, God's original plan was perfect. Uh, but even here we see God's love because um, scripture calls this God's glorious standard, this best way to live um, under God. Um, but he gives us a choice that we don't have to choose his way. Um, and that's part of love. There's always a choice involved in that. Now, the story may or not, may not be familiar to you, but um, Genesis 3 is the account of who? Adam and Eve. Yes, Adam and Eve. Um, and really, they abandoned God's perfect plan for them, ultimately choosing a different path than the one God had for them. And this is what Scripture calls sin. And from this one choice then came an avalanche of subsequent choices from then until now of man choosing to live apart from God and his perfect plan. And this is what we call the fall. And Romans 3.23 speaks of this saying, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And because we've rebelled against God's good way for us to live, this God who thought of us from the beginning, um, we now live in a broken world. It's a world that's impacted by our sin and constantly pushing God away. Um, and really, I don't think that it's hard to see that our world is broken. I think that we feel it. I think we feel it um, anytime that we're feeling overwhelmed. Maybe some of you are feeling this right now. Like it's a new semester and you're trying to figure things out. Uh, we just, we feel like we just can't handle our workload or we just can't handle our classes or our finances or the stresses at home or, or maybe we feel stuck um, and we feel stuck in our struggles or maybe we feel stuck in someone else's struggles that we're trying to help. All of these, we are, we are feeling that life is not working right. Like these are ramifications of the fall. I think we also see it, uh, I think we also see that the world is broken and that we are, every time that we, uh, we say that we want to do something but we make a choice that's actually different than that. Like, I don't want, like, I don't want to lose my temper on my family, but I do at times, unfortunately. I don't want to hold grudges against people, but that's real. Like, that happens for me. Um, I don't want to talk bad about people um, behind their backs. Um, I really don't want that to be a part of my life, but I'd be lying if I said that that never happened. There are times when I don't do the things that I know I should do, or maybe even that I tell other people they should do. I don't actually do those, and Paul talks about this, in Romans 7:19, he says, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Like, this is the fall. This is the fall happening in our midst. It's, it's really, it's the world that we live in. It's the air that we breathe um, all together. It's us just choosing our own way instead of God's perfect plans. Where sin exists and now nothing is working right around us. Um, nothing works right. It's our view of ourselves that's not working right. Our view of relationships with others. It's our view even of creation. In the midst of that, we wonder like where God even is as we're struggling with all these things. The, the brokenness that we feel is um, actually it's the story of the Old Testament too. Um, I, I know people get really bent out of shape about the Old Testament, like all the violence and brokenness present here, but really like that's the point of the Old Testament. <laughs> Like, the story of the Old Testament is the story of the fall and God's people failing to recover from that fall. Um, and God sent 
Um, he, he gave them the Torah. He gave them covenant. He gave them kings and prophets to help them find their way back to him. But it didn't matter. No matter what was given to them, people just kept on sinning. They kept um, finding a way to hijack God's good plan and ending up not being able to find their way back to God. Um, they were feeling stuck. And I, it's one of, one of the things that helps me understand the Old Testament best is looking at these people and seeing that they are stuck. They're stuck over and over and over again in their sin and in a broken world that they can't get out of. And I don't know, maybe, um, maybe you feel that way here tonight. Maybe that's you. Like maybe you're walking in here and you feel stuck. Like you feel the brokenness in this world and it weighs heavy on you. Um, maybe uh, you don't believe God would want anything to do with you. And maybe you have doubts or cynicism or uh, maybe you've made some poor choices. You re- you're recognizing, maybe you're recognizing that the world is broken and maybe you're a part of it in some way. One of our kids has this habit of, uh, he had this habit a year or two ago of, I guess I kind of outed him by saying it was a he, but um, he put his arm in between the slats in our dining room chair and uh, like he would get his arms stuck in there. And there's the way that our slats are in these chairs are set up is like there's a wide part and then a narrow part. And if you're not careful, like you can, you really can, like you could get your arm wedged like pretty good in there. And, uh, and he would do that. And we would know it because we would be quietly like sitting and eating dinner. I guess it's probably never actually quiet with three small children, but it was reasonably quiet. And We'd be sitting there eating, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the kid would just start screaming, Mom, 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 Dad, 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 help me, help me, help me. My arm is stuck. I can't get it out. And he'd be like sitting here, like, and the heart, the, it was, the heart, it was really, it was kind of funny. <laughs> but it was, it was also, like, it was also heartbreaking because, like, he would have his arm stuck in there, and he would be squirming and be trying to fix it. And the problem with those slats is as he tried to fix it, he actually was making it worse, and it was hurting more, like the more he tried to fix it. Uh, as imperfect parents, even we, uh, even we would be what? What would we do? Would we go into the other room with Cheetos and watch Sports Center while he's sitting there, like struggling, like with his arms stuck in the slats? Of course not. Like we are going to help him. We're going to be moved by compassion to help him in that moment. How much more? How much more then? Like, will our creator who thought of us from the beginning and knows us and knows what's best for us, how much more will he want to help us to make a way um, to save us so we no longer feel like we're living in these cycles of sin and brokenness that leave us feeling lost and overwhelmed and stuck? The gospel centers on God taking action for us because we mattered so much to God, he sent Jesus. And Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We're loved by God. You are loved by God. You're loved by God not because you did something really awesome this week or because you um, came from the right family or because you went to church so many times in a row. You're loved by God because God shows it in Jesus sending in God sending Jesus uh, to sacrifice his life for us. That's why we are loved. Now, Jesus is um, a controversial character, I know, for some of you. 
Um, the, really, the, the best way I can think of to talk about Jesus is, um, and, and really take a look at Scripture. Like, when we're done with this, go back and look at the Gospels and read for yourselves um, who Jesus is. Um, read through John, I think, is a great place to start if you don't know where to start to investigate Jesus. Um, but just to explain him briefly, how many of you have witnessed a baptism before of any kind? Almost everyone. Awesome. So um, if, in case you haven't witnessed a CSF baptism before, um, it's often said in a confession of faith, um, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. And those last two names are what I want to key in on for a moment here. Lord and Savior, they're significant because they really show aspects of who he is. He's Lord, and he's Lord because um, he's God's Son that was sent to live a perfect life. And he came, and he lived that life, and then he died, and he resurrected, defeating death. And so that's why Scripture calls him Lord and King, because he's Lord and King over sin and death. He's defeated it. And so we, we follow him. We follow him out of the fall, and we follow him into this good plan that he has lived and shown us, um, and that he has the power um, to lead us in. He's the one that knows, knows the way back to God. But the, the problem, of course, is that we're not really going to be able to pull that off. Like, we can't follow Jesus perfectly. And that's why Scripture also calls Jesus Savior. Um, because in Jesus, who's given us God's glorious standard to follow, um, we receive grace to follow him. And so at every step, as we give our whole lives totally to our Lord, we have the grace of our Savior to help us um, at every step of the way as we follow him. And so Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. Now, I want to hit pause here really quick before we go any further. This isn't the end of the story, um, but I really, I want to clarify something for you guys. I know for some of you, um, this is your first time or one of the first times that you're hearing um, anything about Christianity or an explanation of the faith, and maybe you guys have questions, and that's okay. I'd love to meet with you and talk to you about that. Um, our staff or our small group leaders would love to meet with you, um, but I, I want to make sure that you're aware of one point before we go any further that scripture is clear that this message is for everyone. John 3.16 says it this way, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You are always invited to trust in Christ. I know not everyone will. I, I know that the idea of a God who created, or a world that is broken that we are a part of, or especially a resurrected Son of God. Like, I know those things are, are hard to take, um, but I want to be clear that Jesus always invites everyone to accept him and trust him totally. Everyone is invited to that. I also want to be clear for others of you that have heard this before, maybe you've checked out a little bit, you've been like, I've heard this, like, why are we talking about this tonight? Um, Maybe you've already put your faith in Christ, you've been baptized, but really, if you're anything like me, I think if we're honest, like, we still have lots of questions, and um, if you would like to talk to someone, a staff member or a small group leader, we would love to have coffee with you as well and talk through those things, because I want to be clear that the message, the good news, is still for you. Like, you are a part of the everyone that Christ died for, and I hope, I hope this message that you are loved never gets old. I hope that you never get to a place like when you are hearing it that it just 
falls on deaf ears. Um, because that's possible. It's possible that, that can be the case. Um, that was really the case in my story. Um, it actually wasn't until college where the love of God really actually began to change my life. And, and make no mistake that if you trust in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, if you believe this good news, then it really does. It changes everything. And this is really, really good news. Um, 1 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. This is such good news. Scripture says that it is possible to live in a new way, not in the old patterns of sin and brokenness that we've been stuck in. And God loves us so much that he wants to completely undo the fall. So instead of a life of fear and worry, he wants to help us down the long road of peace and trust in him. Instead of grudges and gossip um, and anger, he wants to guide us down a path of reconciliation and justice and peace with other people. Uh, instead of out-of-control addictions, lust and greed, he wants to guide us down a path of self-control and holiness. And he sends his Holy Spirit to help us to do this. This is good news. And, and as he does this, the world will slowly get pieced back together as each of us is healed by God in this good news. We're going to be new creations if we trust him. Now, this sounds amazing, uh, but the reality is that as a follower of Jesus, I lost my temper today with my family. Um, I still sometimes hold grudges. Um, I still am not always kind. Things are still hard. And if you follow Jesus for any length of time, you better be nodding your head. <laughs> Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean that everything is magically perfect, but it does change. And the good news is that it changes and that it's going to get even better. I love this. Jesus who rose from the dead is going to return to completely heal everything. Revelation 21, three through five says it this way. So look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And Jesus, we look forward to the renewal of all things, um, renewal of our relationships with God, like where we see him face to face and always trust that he loves us. Um, renewal of our relationships with ourselves, where we no longer have to live in these patterns of shame um, and sickness on our own um, apart from God. Um, we no longer have to, we have renewal of all things when it comes to relationships with others, where it really will be reconciliation and peace and love um, for everyone. And even relationships with creation will be renewed, where there won't be any more sickness or cancer or famine um, or disease or any of these things. This is really, this is very good news, that there is hope in Christ, that this is not all there is. And honestly, it would feel, I, and sometimes I think that there is this part of me that just wants to be like, all right, great, like, I'm just going to wait, like, and let's, let's let that get here. Like, I want that. I want that time to get here. Um, but what we see in Scripture is that the call of the Christian is really to be a part of God's work, of working toward the renewal that we will eventually see. We work toward that hope. We help be a part of the renewal of the world until Jesus returns. And that's part of our jobs. And next week, Lindsay will actually talk about that 
uh, an aspect of that, of what it looks like to live out and to share our faith um, on campus and in this world. Uh, but tonight, um, I want you to think on just a couple of key things here. Uh, first off, you've got these, and you've got um, this first question on here. Using your announcement sheet, maybe think about um, like what story or stories are you letting define your life and your choices right now? You know, maybe at the beginning of the semester here. Maybe it's maybe it is some basic things for you, um, things like where you're from. Not bad things, uh, but maybe there's a better story. Um, than that. Or maybe it's key relationships. Maybe it's things like family or affiliations. Um, Things, again, that aren't necessarily bad, but um, maybe they have too much control over your story right now. Or maybe it's pressure points. Uh, Maybe um, crises, personal failure, or even just life circumstances that really, that you're letting impact your life in unhealthy ways. Again, they will shape us, but um, they don't have to define us, um, these parts of our journey. And then with that information, uh, I challenge you to consider, like, what would it look like to let the gospel, the story of Jesus' love for you, be what defines you now and even as we start this semester, whether for the first time or just going forward here for you. And I want to invite, at this point, I want to invite Jack um, Snyder's up. You can come on up, man. Um, Jack decided to follow Jesus over the summer and was baptized, and want him to, Jack's going to share just a little bit of his story um, of how the gospel, the good news really shaped him. So why don't you use that mic, man? And... Hello, my name's Jack, if you haven't met me yet. Uh, I haven't been going to CSF for very long, and I think part of why David chose me to speak today is because my testimony or my story through Christ is a little unique. Uh, how many people here, real quick, grew up with the church when they were younger. Ah, see, I was not like that. My father was an atheist, and my mother was spiritual at best. Um, I was an atheist from too too young for me to remember. Um, And all the way up until the age of 17, I remember it. I remember this day like it was yesterday because it was a really big day for me, but I was taking, it was after school, I was taking my friend Colin home, and the roads that day were really, really icy, and I remember the car started to slip into the other lane, and there was oncoming traffic, so I tried to correct, and the car spun out of control and straight towards the ditch, and my car got caught on one of those concrete tunnels that lets the water... um, flow through. And so not only did my car get caught saved from falling into the ditch, but my my the driver's seat was completely destroyed. I mean, the concrete from the tunnel no more than a couple inches away from my kneecaps. Uh, and I came out totally fine. No plastic or metal hit me at all. And I remember from that day thinking, there's, there's got to be something other than just science behind this. There's got to be something going on. So from that point on, I went on as an agnostic, not really knowing if there was a God or not. Until February of this year, uh, I was listening to a podcast while I was in the gym, and the person at the podcast, he, he talked about free will, and mainly he talked about how you can't have free will without a God. And I never really thought about free will before then, and I liked it. I agreed with it. It made sense to me. 
So from that point on, I was theist, but I didn't really know where I believed um, in that aspect. So thankfully, I was very fortunate because I was part of a world religions class at that time. So it was a great excuse for me to go around and explore. I went everywhere. I went to the Hindu temple in Chatham. I went to synagogues. I went to churches. And it wasn't until I went to Westside Christian Church, and I was talking to someone there named Mike Peterson, and he asked me, Jack, are you a student? And I said, yeah, I'm a student. And he said, well, there's this awesome student ministry over at UIS you can go to, and they'll answer all sorts of questions for you. So, and he led me here. So I came to CSF, and that was, you guys are awesome. That was life-changing because I felt that community that David was t talking about earlier. It really showed me how much God can change a community to be better people. Now, for the longest time, I was, from that point on, I was kind of battling between, well, is Christ the Messiah or not? Uh, because Judaism also has that sense of community. And it wasn't until later, until after school, I came into faith. I realized I've experienced God's grace my entire life. So, of course, he was the Messiah because he was there for me before I even believed in him. So, on June 22nd, I came to David and I got baptized. And if you're here today and you're in the same spot I was in not too long ago, wondering, is Christianity right? Or even if you're just wondering about getting baptized, I want you to know, I'm not going to lie to you, you're, you're all, not all your problems are going to get fixed right away. In fact, it's actually going to get a lot harder in a lot of aspects. But I am the happiest I have ever been in the past three months of my life. And I can thank the Lord for that. Thanks, Jack. I appreciate you sharing your story, man. And I hope um, for all of us, I hope regardless of whether you're considering faith in Christ for the first time or just processing what it looks like um, to start this new semester um, with a life of faith, I, I really hope that you won't miss this good, incredible news that, that you are loved by God. And that really can change everything, um, even now. And my hope and prayer is that this semester we really would be a community um, that believes that together. And I think that really, like, that, that would be incredible to see. And I think that the campus would take notice as well um, as they watched as we really trusted God's love and he began forming us to look more and more like him. I think the campus would see that and be impacted in huge ways. So why don't we pray um, that God would do that work in us. Jesus, we want to come to you and say thank you. My goodness, thank you. Uh, for a love that is deeper than we can imagine. Thank you for showing your love for us by sacrificing your life. Um, we praise you as king, as you've um, resurrected. You are Lord and king over sin and death. You know the way out of the fall. Jesus, we praise you and thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be a community that trusts you totally, that surrenders our whole lives to you, um, and let's your love do the work that you desperately want to do in each of us of shaping us into the people um, 
that you've always wanted us to be, um, that we were meant to be, Lord. Help us to um, live lives worthy of your gospel. Um, help us to um, live together in a way that pleases you. And um, we love you. We trust you. And um, we pray that the campus would see your love as well. And we pray this in your name. Amen.